Podcast Network. The greatest country on earth in shambles. Bill Gates already mapping out the next pandemic. The medical profession by law prevented from telling patients the truth. How do we survive this? Well, we the people stand up and stop taking it. We win at the ballot box. And we do that by getting the truth out into public ears. TNN, the Truth News Network. And your warrior at the gate is Dan Newman. And that is the truth. More Americans, more of us are saying we have had enough. Federal government, come on. Start representing the American people again. Please. We're tired of all of the political infighting, all of the crazy stuff going on out there. you got to be woke to be able to talk, to be accepted. Forget about the Constitution. It's an old rag that it doesn't apply anymore. That's ancient history. And then getting along with other people, oh my gosh, what you do first is you find out what the differences are, and then you begin to build walls to keep people from getting inside and interacting with you. What is our nation turning into before our very eyes? Let me tell you, many, many Americans are sick of it. We're tired of politicians pontificating every day. We're tired of people that do evil things, in many cases criminal things, and they get out of any accountability. They're either in the government or they're connected, and they can call somebody and get pretty much anything done that they want. Here's a novel idea. We have a U.S. Constitution that's full of laws. It's very simple. It's far, far different from what our legal system looks like tonight. It's absolutely unconscionable that anybody that breaks the law in the United States can in any way get away for the accountability of the crime that they do. And yet, That's become commonplace. And so here we are. We're in the 2nd of May, Texas Independence Day. By the way, the birthday of my father who passed away years ago. He's a Texan or was a Texan. May the 2nd, March the 2nd. And what have we accomplished this year? Well, we spent a lot more federal tax dollars that we had to go to the ATM machine and get out of it because we didn't have the money to pay. We're up to about, what, $113 billion to Ukraine. We got a story coming up about the Pentagon. Oh, my goodness. They're up there. They're very plugged in. They're under fire. For what? For wrongdoing regarding the money the taxpayers have paid and supposedly given it to Ukraine for the war against Russia. But maybe... Some of that money's going somewhere else. Uh Uh-oh. That doesn't mean that our government doesn't waste a lot of money. It doesn't mean that our money doesn't go to a lot of different places that it's not supposed to go. It doesn't mean any of that. Look, did your mother ever let you punish yourself for wrongdoing? Your wrongdoing. 
That's what the Department of Defense is doing now. We don't have an inspector general going in and looking at it. We have somebody from the inside of the Department of Defense that's saying, oh, no, 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 every dime, every dollar is gone right where it's supposed to go. Trust me. Oh, I represent the military of the United States of America, the greatest fighting force on the planet. Why would we spend a dime that we weren't supposed to spend on something to spend on something else? Our world is upside down. Nobody can credibly dispute that. And you know what? It wouldn't be so bad if we right now could look at somebody or somebody's and we could trust that they were going to get us out of this quagmire of massive inflation, the highest in decades, unnecessary. And it's caused specifically by government spending billions and billions, hundreds of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars that we don't have. And you know where all that money's going? Well, you would think, oh, they tell us it's it's going to the American people. They need this money. Some of it, a very paltry percentage, has gone to the American people. But we did not need to spend all that money the way that it's been spent. We didn't have to do it. But you know what it's being spent for? To pander to get voters to look at the government and think, you know what? I can stay home from work. Look at all my friends that aren't working anymore. And they found out there are benefits laying around out there that they can maybe take a 20% cut in pay. But you know, there are some people today with government, I'm talking about federal, state, and local governments added into what they can get from the federal government, they're finding out that they don't have to work like they worked before. They can sit at home or go play golf or do anything that they want to do, and they're going to get mailbox money. It's going to take care of it. What do you think is going to happen when the half of Americans that are paying all the taxes, they're paying all the money things, the benefits that people get, when that half of Americans, the only ones that are paying for the bills, when they figure out, you know what? I'm working hard, really, really hard. And the government's taking away almost half of what I make. And they're giving it to people that don't want to work. There's something wrong with that. You know what? If I can get away with that that like they are, I'm not going to work anymore. I'm just going to go do what they're doing. Don't think that won't happen. And there's somebody back in, I can't remember if it was Thomas Jefferson, somebody in our early forefathers' numbers that said, when that happens, when the half that pays all the bills, when they realize they're paying the bills for people that don't work at all, And then they think, you know what, I can do that same thing. And so they just flip it. When that happens, what do we turn into? Well, look down south. Look at Colombia. Look at Brazil. 
Look at some of those countries that have just bit off on the socialist lie that's being bandied around by many of our leaders in Washington, D.C. as the panacea for everything that's bad. There's not a single socialist government in the world today that has ever made it. They all collapse. Why? Because the people wake up, and they wake up when it's too late, and they realize, oh my gosh, the government is taking all the money, and it's full of corruption. And they're paying whoever they want to pay. They're paying the people whenever, if they ever want to. And it finally just implodes. I'm not a naysayer, but I am a truther. I like to find the facts. And the facts right now about our nation are not so rosy. And today's show, we're going to talk about some of this insanity that's crept into our nation. We're going to talk about some of the lies that we've been told. We have been lied to all the time from even before COVID-19 began. It was all planned. Anthony Fauci and his minions knew that it was on the horizon. Now, maybe we don't know this, but maybe it got away from them. I don't think for a second that they purposely made it happen, but their actions put the COVID-19 all over China first, and then around the rest of the world, it got out of hand. And that's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario, ah, we don't even want to go there. So let's get cranking, as we do always at the top of the show. A different song, and I think you'll like this. It's an instrumental, and it is a very, very elaborate version of a song called Cashmere. Listen to it. You've heard it, but you probably heard it in a little different way.
I told you it was a little bit different, isn't it? And you recognize that melody when that young man, he is a very young man, 95% of the song, uh, the, the sound you heard in that were him on a guitar. Think about that. Cashmere, you can go look it up for yourself. And uh, it's, it's a very interesting fix on a big song. Maybe that'll calm me down. I apologize for starting the show uh, a little bit wild there because I am riled up. I don't like what's going on. COVID-19, let me tell you this. I've got some information that's being given to me overnight. I know the details of it, but I'm going to give you a, a little glimpse of what's in it. In COVID, there was collusion between the federal government and states. Now, what could that possibly be about? You know it, what it's about. It's about money. And so, the federal government needed a bunch of death certificates of people that died of COVID. Now, we were told a lot of elderly people were dying at first. And I can see that. No question about it. Most of those elderly people had pre-existing conditions. They had uh, pneumonia problems. They had other kinds of situations medically that made their immune systems weak. A myriad of examples of that happening. And so COVID gets out there. They catch it just like you catch any other kind of virus. And they get hospitalized when they begin to have problems breathing. And what happened at the very beginning of COVID that we found out later was not only not necessary, it was deadly and contributed to the deaths of hundreds, if not thousands, of Americans. Can you think through and come up with that answer? They all got put on ventilators. And we had a doctor from Mount Sinai Hospital in New York that walked out of the hospital And he went to a microphone of a news agency. And here's what he said. I can't do this anymore. I'm a pulmonologist. I understand what this is all about, at least medically, and what it needs. The problem is COVID-19 is so deadly because it creates massive inflammation in the patient's lungs. And therefore, the lungs expand and there's a whole lot less room for that lung to be able to oxygenate the blood that's being pumped through it. Now, what do our lungs do? The number one job is they put oxygen into our blood as our heart pumps it through before it goes out into our body. And these ventilators that were being used on patients all across the nation for more than two months this was happening. Dead bodies were being piled up at Mount Sinai up there. They were putting people on vents and a day, two days later, they would all die. Doctors didn't know what to do and then they found out, uh, the lungs get all the inflammation in it. That slows down the ability of their lungs to oxygenate their blood. The ventilators push the blood through the hearts that exacerbates the inability of them to oxygenate the blood 
and they die. And he said, I've told this to all my peers, this doctor. He said, I've told it to the executives in the hospital, and they just ignore me. And he said, I can't work there. I can't do that. Well, lo and behold, we find out a few months later, he was right. No apologies. Dr. Fauci didn't get up where he pontificated every day at the White House press briefing, did he? You never heard him say anything about it, but they quit doing that nationwide. That's just one thing. And it was just one thing after another, just bam, bam, bam. The mask. Oh, my gosh, if you don't wear a mask, you remember that? I don't even want to go deep into it. It makes me nauseated when I get into it. you got to wear a mask. you got to wear a mask. you got to wear two masks. And, oh, my gosh, you got to social distance. you got to stay away from everybody. Don't touch anything that someone else touches. Try to isolate yourself as much as possible. We can beat this thing if you just listen to what we tell you. Well, there was a young Chinese virologist. You may have seen her back probably, oh, I don't know, a couple of months into COVID. Yesterday, you heard our, once again, you heard I interview with Dr. Judy Mikovits, who was an associate of Fauci, and they got crossways, and he threw her in jail, went in jail, threw her somewhere. She still doesn't know where it was. They kept her there for days. She couldn't speak to anybody, never charged with anything. And to get loose, she had to agree to a gag order where she wouldn't talk to anybody about any of this. After her gag order expired in 2020, she came on her show first place she went. What you heard yesterday was her in 2020. I keep harping on this. She laid out in 2020 exactly what was going to happen on Dr. Fauci's watch. The mask, the fear, the social distancing, the lockdowns, and then, of course, the vaccines. If you haven't listened to that show, you can get it, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google, Stitch In, all of the other podcast sites where you go to get your podcast. And it's in the title, Dr. Judy Mikovits. You'll hear that. But you listen now to somebody that was on the front line in the China Wuhan laboratory. She was there. She knew exactly what was going on. And at the beginning of all of this, she had to escape for her life out of China. She came to the U.S. in a roundabout way, made a connection with Tucker Carlson. She was on his show very early in all of this and in broken English tried to explain it. Well, she's been out on, I guess, a speaking tour. Her language has gotten better. But all of this uproar of late about where did COVID come from? Did it come from nature or was it manipulated? Did the Chinese Communist Party do it? Here she is again a couple of days ago with Tucker Carlson. As we told you, Li Yang was one of the first people to tell the truth in the United States, a great personal cost. She was there, she joins us now. Doctor, thank you so much for coming on. You said three years ago that you believe that this virus was intentionally released by the government you once worked for, the government of China. 
Today we're hearing in this leak to the Wall Street Journal that it was accidental. Do you believe this leak was accidental or intentional? Hi, Tucker. Thank you for having me again. First, I really want to appreciate you and also Fox News have been taking so much effort pursuing the truth of COVID origin. Without your help, there won't be such milestone achievement. And I want to tell, of course, it was not an accident. And maybe for people who don't have this kind of biosafety lab three or four uh, experience on coronavirus, maybe it's easy for them to accept the accident and lab leak. However, I'm the scientist working in such lab using coronavirus, and I can tell you, based on the print, uh, protocol and also the other uh, surveillance uh, system, it will be impossible for the lab leak accidentally happened in such lab and cause the Wuhan outbreak and also the pandemic. So definitely, now we just reached to the first step. It was from China's lab, and we need to pursue the uh, truth of origin, and we need to keep going on. We know the Chinese government allowed its infected citizens to travel in huge groups to Western Europe in the early days of the pandemic. That was intentional. But you believe the whole thing, they came up with this virus and they unleashed it on the world to destroy the Western economies and to elevate their own position globally. I want to... uh, emphasize one thing is I would say based on the evidence and the source I have that the lab uh, the a virus was intentionally brought out of this strict lab and released in the community. However, I don't think the outbreak in Wuhan was intentional. I would say it was because CCP government and the military scientists underestimate the transmissibility. That's why finally it got out of control and caused a local, uh, local outbreak. However, we should know that CCP government intentionally to let it go all over the world to kill millions of people all over the world later. We just have to hope and pray that you will be interviewed by many other journalists in this country over the coming weeks. Now that this has been confirmed, you're an eyewitness to it. You have, a, I think, a credible story to tell, and I, and I really hope you're no longer ignored. I appreciate your coming on again tonight. Leaving Young, thank you so much. Thank you, Tucker. So let me ask you a question. They don't tell us the facts. They don't give us the facts. They've been hiding that, and we're just finding all of these things out after the fact, and they slip out into the marketplace of ideas. We're three years into this, three years. Why would they be worried if they didn't do anything purposely? Why would they be so secretive and try to hide it for all this time and deny it over and over and over again? I'm sick and tired of hearing things like this that average Americans knew something we were being told just didn't sound right, that they had to be lying to us. But yet, it's coming from the swampsters our government, our federal government that control everything. And of course, what they tell us is just listen to us, believe us, do what we say, and you're going to be great. That's what they're telling us now. Do what we say, and everything's going to be 
okay. That sounds a little bit like do what we tell you to do or else. Many people feel that's the road that we're on, and I'm one of those people. I don't have any hard facts that I can lay out there for you, and that's one common trait about anything and everything to do with COVID-19. I don't even like to talk about it. It was a horrible situation, much of which was man-made, and yet nobody will step up to the microphone. Nobody will go before Congress and say, we're sorry, we were wrong, we made mistakes. Accountability is part of the process of leading. And I'm talking about little kids leading fellow little kids in their neighborhood, moms in the groups that they're in, adults, their jobs, everything they commit to and everything they may not commit to, but it's just part of what they have to do. In all of those scenarios, and we could go on and on and on and name thousands of them if we had time, which we don't, but everybody's held accountable. That's what makes a country work, top to bottom, White House to an illegal immigrant. Everyone must be accountable for their actions, including all those that even crafted those laws. They need to be held accountable if and when they break the law. And that's not happening. So I'm not not trying to scare you, but you feel in your gut there's something sinister going on behind the scenes. We're going to talk about that. Not deep, but just some thoughts and ideas. We've got that plus up next. You're going to hear from a guy you you know is a straight shooter, Larry Kudlow, but his special guest is Jonathan Turley. And Professor Turley is going to weigh in with Larry Kudlow about COVID misinformation. We've got much, much more today. And we'll get after that after this. Hey, it's Garrett. The Poland Spring brand wants to provide more than 100% natural spring water, and they want to make a difference. That's why they're rescuing millions of pounds of plastic and transforming them into new bottles that are 100% recycled. You can join them by pledging to recycle your bottle, and for each pledge, Poland Spring will donate safe, clean drinking water to local communities in need. Go to PolandSpring.com forward slash pledge to find out more. Select sizes only 20 up 700 milliliter, 1 liter, and 1.5 liter size bottles. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring 649 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just 649. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. Holidays abroad. Can we? Can't we? But then we thought, should we? Staycation! We could share a year. Please, no. Luckily, we've picked British Airways holidays. Small deposit and can change if we need to. Decision made. Moonlight skinny dipping. (laughs) We've booked St. Lucia. Two weeks. Did you? Why didn't we? 
Ah, clever you. British Airways Holidays, Atoll Protected. It's time for a new year, a new you, and a new Volkswagen. Stop by D. Patrick today and check out our entire lineup. Like the spacious Atlas with room for everyone. Or the not-so-compact compact SUV, the Tiguan. And the always popular Jetta and Passat. At D. Patrick, we have a Volkswagen for every budget and every lifestyle. Check out all the Volkswagen models available at dpat.com. Make this year the best year in a new Volkswagen from D. Patrick on Green River Road. I lost you. I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. Please forgive me. Everybody knows by now, Mayor Laurie Lightfoot of Chicago, she lost her primary on Tuesday of this week. But there's a whole lot more than just Laurie Lightfoot got beat. Not going to talk about what's in her rearview mirror and not what's in the uh, rearview mirror of those people up in Chicago that have suffered through her four years in office there. But this this was a historical thing. You know that there hadn't been a mayor in Chicago that's lost a re-election bid in 40 years until Lori Lightfoot. What does that tell you? The people finally woke up. Now, there are a couple of people there that are going to be running against each other for the mayor's position. Public school CEO Paul Vallis, who's a Democrat, and Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson, also a Democrat, or in a head-to-head face-off in the runoff election on April 4th. I don't need to tell you, Lori Lightfoot's first term in office was marked by the COVID pandemic and a massive increase in crime. She's had her chance. She really did. The people of Chicago gave her a lot of breaks. Since she's been in office, it seems like crime has gotten a whole lot worse. In 2022, Lightfoot Chicago had 723 murders. It's a 95% increase in vehicle thefts, a 50% increase in theft, 10% increase from the previous year in burglary and robbery. And it's continued into 2023. Chicagoans, they're glad for a change. And uh, either one of these gentlemen that are going to run, one of them will win. I think we'll see some quick changes in Chicago for the better. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't see how it could get any worse, do you? Now, mentioned about the Pentagon and this crazy investigation that has been going on, and it has to do with the amazing amount of money we've been spending in Ukraine. It seems like every couple of days we hear that Joe Biden has written another two or three million dollars, a billion dollars with a B to Ukraine. I did not know, I've never known in U.S. history of a situation where a president without any cooperation, discussion with, or approval by the United States Congress, and I thought, Maybe I'm wrong, 
But I thought that Congress controls all the spending. The president and members of Congress themselves, they present plans that cost money to the U.S. Congress. And Congress debates them. They think about it. They amend a a deal that's put together, a structure, and then they vote to approve or disapprove of those amendments. They do that both in the House, whatever the finished product is in the House, it goes across the Capitol to the United States Senate where they do the same thing. I thought that's the way that we spend our money. But Joe Biden, just like a king or more like a dictator, has just written checks to Ukraine, and guess what? No accountability. None. Now listen to what we're told. There's no evidence. Any of the billions of U.S. taxpayer dollars spent on weapons and aid sent to Ukraine, not a dime has been lost to corruption, not a dime has been diverted into criminal hands. That comes from the Pentagon's Inspector General. This assurance came after members of Congress persistently questioned how closely the U.S. is tracking its aid to ensure it's not subject to fraud. Remember where it's going? Remember that? Where's it going? Ukraine, known as through history, the most corrupt country in Europe. I mean, the very fact that Joe Biden, it's kind of ironic that this thing with Ukraine is happening. Under the Obama administration, Barack Obama made his vice president in both of their terms, made the BP responsible for Ukraine. That was Joe Biden. He made, I don't know how many trips, but tons of trips over there. And when that was going on, I asked the question numerous times, what's Biden doing going back to Ukraine? And then he goes to Russia. Then he goes to China. Things just didn't seem right. And so when we started shipping all this money off to Ukraine now in the middle of this Russian war, remember that money goes to Ukraine, Ukraine's government, which is known to be hellaciously wicked and evil and even criminal and especially financial matters. Our president himself blackmailed the former president of Ukraine to get a federal prosecutor to stop investigating Burisma Holdings, and that was at the behest of Hunter Biden, who was making $60,000, $80,000 a month serving on the board of Burisma Holdings, even though he didn't have any experience in any petrochemical operations. Isn't it kind of odd to you that the Inspector General on Tuesday said, oh, it's all clear. Associated Press reports Robert Stork was pressed by House members several times about any fraud findings. He said a number of tips and allegations have come into a new hotline, but there have been limited findings to date with many reports pending. Now think about that, what we were told. That is a purposeful way 
to hide any potential negative findings. Did you get that? Quote, he said a number of tips and allegations have come into a new hotline, but there have been, in parentheses, or quotation marks, I'm sorry, limited findings to date. Oh, yeah, many reports pending. So how could he say this with all of that stuff out there from his own mouth? He was testifying with other Pentagon leaders before the House Armed Services Committee, and he repeatedly qualified his marks by saying he did not want to talk about investigations that have not yet been completed. That is the get-out-of-jail terminology that everybody that's brought before Congress, FBI director, attorney general, all kinds of people, people in the military even. Well, you know, we can't comment, can't have a discussion on matters that are currently under investigation. If we do, it might taint the findings of that whatever. Stork's comments came on the back of months of claim and counterclaim regarding the potential for corruption to the very highest levels of the Ukrainian government. That would be Volodymyr Zelensky. He is on the top. In January, a string of senior Ukrainian government officials were sacked. A couple of them resigned in the middle of a flurry of corruption claims. Those shown the door accused of talking or taking illicit payments as the Minister of Defense, he was one of them, Deputy Defense Minister, and I can't even say his name, the Deputy Head of the Presidential Administration, the Deputy Prosecutor General. All of those were canned for corruption. Did anybody over here talk about that? Did anybody ask the question, well, were any of these people involved in this money, these billions of dollars we have given supposedly to the military, that every dime, as you say, every dime was spent exactly how we were told it was going to be spent. This guy, I mean, he is an inspector general, but he kind of qualified his statement of, oh, everything's good. It's It almost sounds to me like somebody told him, hey, when you go before this congressional committee, you paint it. Everything's cool, and here's the way you paint it. Well, we still have a lot of the reports still coming in, but everything looks good so far. I'm pretty sure, or I'm sure we're in the clear, and nothing's been done bad. This AP report said that Mike Rogers of Alabama, the Republican committee chairman, he observed Congress has appropriated more than $100 billion in military, economic, and humanitarian assistance to Ukraine and our NATO allies. I didn't know about that. Of that, the U.S. has doled out more than $75 billion so far, including nearly $32 billion in Pentagon weapons and training to Ukraine since the Russian invasion began a year ago. These are unprecedented numbers, and it requires an unprecedented level of oversight by Congress. That's from Rogers. The Pentagon has a robust program to track the aid as it crosses the border into Ukraine and to keep tabs on it once it's there. 
depending on the sensitivity of each weapon system. Pentagon Press Secretary Brigadier General Pat Ryder said Tuesday at a press briefing. They say all these things, but then they put these little qualifier statements in there like, yeah, that's the way it that's the way it is. Well, it should be. And they think that's how they're gonna get out of it. You can bet your bottom dollar that there's been dollars. I have no idea how many, but I know there's been a lot of money wasted in Ukraine. And Ukraine gives money out to people that comes their way in a form of corruption and payback. They've been doing it for decades, and everybody in the world knows it. Let's switch gears. We've got an election already coming up, planned in 2024. Can you believe it? We just got out of the 2022 election, and before that, the 2020 election. What's the big deal about 2024? There's one really big deal. You know what it is. The presidential, vice presidential election comes up every four years, and it's time. You think, wow, we're in just March of 2023, Dan. That's a long way off. (laughs) It's really not. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the shorter The months go. They just seem to fly by. And so in that upcoming election, there are some folks that are out there already beating their drum. They've declared they want to run for president. Donald Trump, he's in. A couple of other people, I can't even say their names. Everybody looks at Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. And so we're watching. And let me tell you something. You don't hear a lot about polls on this show. And the reason you don't is because they're, they're, they fluctuate. They're up and down. It depends on who's giving out the information when they handle these phone callers and what they say, and not only what they say or ask, but how they do it. If you get into examining the polling process, it's amazing how much a person on the polling agency's line, how much they can influence the answers of somebody on the other side of the line. All of that to say this, in a head-to-head primary matchup after a 12-point swing his way in only three weeks, Donald Trump leads Governor Ron DeSantis in a one-on-one election. This is a Yahoo YouGov poll, it was released on Tuesday, shows 47% of Republicans would vote for Trump in the head-to-head primary. The Florida governor sits eight points behind with 39% of support and 13% undecided. In that poll conducted between February 2nd and 6th, DeSantis led Trump at 45% to 41%. The change marks a net 12-point swing to Trump in just three weeks, as the current survey is from February 23rd through 27th. Trump also very dramatically has expanded his lead over a larger primary field in that time. In a scenario with eight or other candidates offered to participants, 
The 45th president took 45% of the response in the latest poll. That gives him a double-digit lead over DeSantis at 29%. He's widened his lead by 14 points compared to the previous survey when he and DeSantis were at 37% and 35% respectively with seven other candidates as options. Seven of the candidates. Nine already in the race for 2024. I just cannot believe it's coming up. And oh, by the way, before we go to break, New Hampshire Governor Sununu, he's one of the bright, young, new Republicans. And he's a governor at New Hampshire. New Hampshire is a very critical state when it comes to elections, especially for Republicans. Primary up there is one of the most important always. Governor Sununu has been, he's been kind of quiet about running for president. Everybody thinks he is. Every time he's asked, he doesn't give an answer other than we're thinking about it. He confirmed that. He said, I very well may run for president. So we're going to keep our eyes on you. We're going to watch you, Mayor Sununu. We want to know who is running for president, everything about them, and we want to make sure the information, the right information, is out there for the American people. Much, much more ahead. Let me tell you, let me look and tell you what's coming up. I want you to hear from, as I said, Larry Kudlow with Jonathan Turley, and then we have a surprise whistleblower on the FBI. This one has said he'll come out, and he'll come out publicly, which he did in testimony before Congress. You're not going to be believe how this guy berates our government, especially our intelligence communities, and especially, especially the FBI. Chris Ray is his, it's kind of odd. But anyway, he's going to be with us in just a little bit. But let's go to a break back in two minutes at TNN Live. The new Amazon Echo has everyone asking Alexa for help. Alexa, what time is it? What the hell is wrong with this blasted thing? Amanda! But the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids done bought me a busted machine again. That's why Amazon partnered with AARP to present the new Amazon Echo Silver, the only smart speaker device designed specifically to be used by the greatest generation. It's super loud and responds to any name even remotely close to Alexa, so they can find out the weather. Allegra, what is the weather outside? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is 74 degrees and sunny. I don't know about that. The latest in sports. Clarissa, how many did old Satchel strike out last night? Satchel Paige died in 1982. How many he get? Satchel Paige is dead. In what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Paige. Oh. I don't know about that. Even local news and pop culture. Anita, what them boys up to across the street? They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. You say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing. 
I don't know about that. Compare it to smart devices like your thermostat. Alessandra, turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. Are you trying to kill me, Alizé? The new Amazon Echo Silver plays all the music they loved when they were young. Angela, play black jazz. Playing, uh, jazz. It also has a quick scan feature to help them find things. Emilia, where did I put the phone? The phone is in your right hand. And it has an uh-huh feature for long rambling stories. So then I gave him five dollars, and he said I only gave him one dollar. Uh-huh. I said, I know I gave you a five. Uh-huh. Because I only had a five and a one only. Uh-huh. And this is the one dollar right here. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you tell me who's crazy. Amazon Echo Silver. Get yours today. I said get yours today. To order Amazon Echo Silver, send a check or money order to Amazon.com right now. In the clown car of the deep state, you will never find a greater den of scum and villainy. You need a hero. Here again, blaster in hand, is Dan Newman. Speaking about some of that scum and villainy, let's go listen to Larry Kudlow, Fox News. He's got Professor Jonathan Turley on with him. Before we get away from the COVID conversation, this pair talks about the massive COVID disinformation. And you know, sometimes that's a great tool to use. You're not lying yourself, really, but you're putting information out that either makes people just think differently or it can be a bald-faced lie. But there sure is a lot of COVID misinformation out there. Here's Kudlow and Jonathan Turley. We may never know, quote-unquote, definitively that the COVID-19 virus was a man-made lab leak The Energy Department's new evidence, though it's still secret evidence, puts another nail in the coffin of the lab leak theory. The FBI apparently agrees with energy. Other intel agencies haven't fully weighed in yet. Hopefully, someday we will learn more from Republican House investigations in the weeks ahead. But there are two topics here that interest me a lot. One, constitutional attorney Jonathan Turley, who will be with us in just a few moments, that the COVID lab leak is a scandal of media and government censorship right here in the U.S. Both the government and the media has continuously stopped efforts to inform the public about virtually every aspect of COVID. Face masks, vaccines, shutdowns, natural immunity, and on and on. We're going to let Mr. Turley speak for himself about his fine column today. But the whole issue of left-wing media and government censorship is a scandal. It is an absolute scandal. Second point especially interests me. I'm going to call it China's Chernobyl-style cover-up. That's right, Chernobyl, a catastrophe. Even before the lethal virus came down on American shores, millions of Chinese had died from it. But the Communist Party was in complete denial and complete cover-up mode. Tidbits of information would dribble and leak out, but the authorities would stomp on it immediately. But there's another catastrophic issue embedded in the China cover-up. They continued to allow Chinese people, including Chinese from Wuhan, to travel overseas. In particular, there's a very strong link in the fashion garment industry 
where over 300,000 Chinese workers are employed. That's Milan, Italy. And while the U.S. moved quickly to ban travel with Europe after having moved even faster before that to ban travel with China, the Europeans did not ban their travel with China, and Italy became a hotbed of COVID and without travel restrictions spread throughout Europe and made its way to the U.S. in tragically enormous numbers. Now, you recall former President Trump tried to stop this tide. He put travel restrictions on China very quickly, and Europe followed soon after that. He was especially concerned that the U.S. hospital system needed some breathing room to accommodate the COVID buildup here at home. He was heavily criticized by Joe Biden and the Democrats. They called him a racist repeatedly, just as that same left-wing crowd labeled anybody promoting the China lab leak theory as racist or conspiracist today. But here's a catastrophic point. While the Chinese saw the COVID infection spreading like wildfire throughout Europe and the U.S., they did nothing to stop travel. Many people believe the Chinese Communist Party figured, well, it's hurt our economy and it's hurt our own people. So let's let the virus spread and damage the rest of the world, especially in the West. In effect, by allowing travel and by covering up what happened in that Wuhan lab, China essentially weaponized COVID to the detriment of the rest of the world. Now, can I prove these assertions beyond a shadow of a doubt? No, I cannot. But I'll tell you what, I can sure think about it. And that's my rip tonight. I thought it was going to have Turley on after that. I apologize for that. Jonathan Turley is a scholar. He is a constitutional scholar. And he has been really right on throughout the covid 19 um, debacle that we've all been caught up in trying to find facts and Turley came out yesterday and he basically laid it out and said there's a lot of COVID information out there that's not true in fact it is seeming that it is being put out for Americans to see and hear and doing so purposefully 180 degrees away from the facts that's something that's untenable. We can't have that. Our government is required, is required to give us the facts. Pure transparency. Yeah, there's some classified information that Americans don't need to know for a lot of reasons. We understand that. But for them to go before Congress and when they're asked specific questions about specific things, for them to just flatly say, I can't talk to you. It's a matter of national security. I can't talk to you because there's an ongoing investigation out there. Those are the things that just drive us crazy. Just give us the facts. This nation is about us. It's not about the Potomac Valley and the swamp. You guys and girls, and that's not wokely correct, I know that, but you guys, the 535 of you in Congress and those of you that work in the Biden administration and any other federal administration, get 
away from this sense of you can do anything with impunity. You don't have to answer to any voters because you're the bosses. That doesn't fly anymore. I was with some friends this past week. I'm still in Israel, by the way. We'll be coming back to the U.S. on Friday. But I was with some people here in Italy who began to talk about what might happen if our government doesn't get their stuff together. And if they start pushing and they push too hard on the American people. Uh, January 6th is just an, an example. We won't be talking a lot about that tonight. You heard from January 6th aficionado Steve Baker on our show on Tuesday, comes on every Tuesday. He was in the middle of the January 6th stuff. But we're hearing more and more and more. In fact, this latest treasure trove of information that was dumped in the videos that were purposely hidden by former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, she and others in government felt like the American people didn't need to see it. What's in it? And especially what's in it after she said what she said. What would we not want to see what's in this stuff? I don't know about you, but I want to see every bit of it. I want to know everything that went along. And too many people in our government upper hierarchy are following that same line. It's lie and deflect. Lie and deflect. During an interview with Fox News on Tuesday, FBI Director Christopher Wray, he publicly confirmed that the FBI assist that the COVID virus most likely originated from a lab by stating that the agency has, quote, for quite some time now, assessed that the origins of the pandemic are most likely a potential lab incident in Wuhan. Now, when the heck, when... Did the FBI get involved in investigating the Wuhan laboratory, virology? When did they do that? They don't do international work. Let me rephrase that. They're not supposed to. They're supposed to do work on domestic matters within the borders of the United States. He continued, though. He wasn't finished. He said, let me step back for a second. The FBI has folks, agents, professionals, analysts, virologists, microbiologists, etc., who focus specifically on the dangers of biological threats, which include things like the novel viruses like COVID and the concerns that in the wrong hands, some bad guys, a hostile nation state, a terrorist, a criminal, the threats that these could pose So what that was was a disclaimer that, you know, people like me asked, just like I did, you heard me, what the heck is the FBI doing this internationally? He's justifying that they're doing it because somebody else wasn't doing it. They're just red, white, and blue breathers. They think only for us, and that's why they stepped in to do this. He said, so here you're talking about a potential leak from a Chinese government-controlled lab that killed millions of Americans. And that's precisely what that capability was designed for. 
When did they first find out about this? Why is he waiting to talk about it until now? You know why. They're caught. They're caught. The American people have found out from other sources, not those we pay to take care of us, but from outside sources, and so they have to crawl out of their behind-wall stuff in the kitchen and try to find a way to clear the air without getting fired. He said, I should add that our work related to this continues, and there are not a whole lot of details I can share that aren't classified. Of course, that's the fallback for everybody. I will just make the observation that the Chinese government, it seems to me, has been doing its best to try to thwart and obfuscate the work here. And that's unfortunate for everybody. Let me just say this about Chris Ray. I don't know of another more corrupt FBI director. And I thought (laughs) that his predecessor, James Comey, was the worst we would ever see. Uh Uh-uh. Chris Ray makes James Comey look like an angel. And we all know James Comey (laughs) wasn't and isn't an angel, don't we? Wow. What are they doing? What are they doing to us? You remember the head of that big school student unions, teachers union, Randy Weingarten? You remember her? She was out on the forefront of everything to do with the 2022 election, wasn't she? All she is, folks, is somebody out there that unions pay to go get more power and more money. So she made the news, which she hadn't been in for a while. She worked herself into a scream during a speech she was giving outside the Supreme Court comparing President Joe Biden's student loan handout to the COVID-19 small business loans of 2020. That union that she heads, the American Federation of Teachers, AFT, she spoke at the Student Debt Crisis Center's rally in D.C. as Supreme Court justices heard a pair of challenges to Biden's student loan debt handout, which would cancel $10,000 in federal student loans for individuals making less than $125,000 a year or households earning less than $250,000 annually as of 20 or 2021. The plan, which would give an additional 10 grand in debt cancellation to recipients of Pell Grants, if it goes into place as constructed, it Estimated it's going to cost us about $400 billion over the next three years. So that's in their proposal. When the Biden administration, they're the ones, just the latest ones. But when they tell you, oh, it's not going to cost any more than this number or that number, you know it's going to be double that. $400 billion is the number that Weingarten gave it's going to cost. Weingarten compared the situation when Congress passed that bipartisan $2.2 trillion stimulus package. 
Remember that when it was back in the beginning stages of the COVID-19 pandemic. And that established the Paycheck Protection Program and provided forgivable loans for small businesses. If we go to college and we stay in college, we need to actually make sure that it's affordable, that it doesn't take everything and everything that our families can do, she said. And so that is why President Biden said we are going to deal with that and the Secretary of Education has the right to do it. And frankly, he said, and this is what really pisses me off, this is her talking, I'm sorry, not the president. During the pandemic, we understood that small businesses were hurting and we helped them. And it didn't go to the Supreme Court to challenge. Big businesses were hurting and we helped them. And it didn't go to the Supreme Court to challenge. All of a sudden, when it's about our students, they challenge it. The corporations challenge it. The student loan lenders challenge it. She continued when she was screaming and jumping up and down. That's not right. That's not fair. And that's what we are fighting as well when we say cancel student debt. This is about people. And it's about the people's future. And it should be all of your futures. So you know darn well Supreme Court justices know this was going on out there. And somebody out there was listening and probably was coming back into the Supreme Court quarters and letting them know what's going on. We'll probably never know. So this week, they're in the middle of hearing two challenges to Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. And from from hearing some of the Supreme Court justices himself, the latest I heard was Clarence Thomas asking questions of the attorneys that are in there that are trying to put Biden's plan in place or keep it in place. And listening to those, I heard two judges, Clarence Thomas and one of the women, I can't remember which one. And Clarence Thomas was talking about something very structural, very fundamental, but it seemed to not have anything to do with the student loan thing itself, but precedence in a number of other ways. It just didn't sound good to me for the people that are fighting for this debt forgiveness. Biden has claimed over and over, that he has the authority to wipe out student loan payments. That comes under a law, he said, as the Higher Education Relief Opportunities for Students Act, which initially, uh, it, it intended to benefit service members that were deployed to Afghanistan and Iraq by waiving their student loan debt or providing other relief. How do you think this one's going to come out? I'll just go ahead and tell you. I'm pretty sure those people that want that student debt cancellation, they're not going to get their way. They're going to be voted down. But what's going to happen then? It'll go back to Joe Biden. Why? He's got to work something out. He's got to get out on the campaign trail. Hadn't formally announced, but they're being very open about the fact that they're looking at it strongly and uh, they'll let us know when they make up their mind. Okay, that's all right. We can handle that. Randy Weingarten, all she is, folks, 
is a paid, she's a paid person to get out on the Supreme Court steps and take this action that she's screaming about. I've always wondered about people that holler, that scream. Why? Why do they do it? Why not just talk to whoever they're communicating with and set straight whatever's out there because if you're going to set somebody straight anyway, doesn't matter how much screaming and hollering you do, you're still going to have to sit down at the table and find a way to agree or disagree. That's just simple. That's just very simple to me. I don't understand it. Well, what we're going to do in just a second, when we're, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, I want you to hear from that FBI whistleblower. It shocked me when I listened to his testimony. But I want you to listen to him. And uh, I started to say, just tell me what you think. <laughs> you can do that if you want to at 1-866-37-TRUTH, 1-866-378-7884. You're going to hear from that whistleblower right after this. Welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? Hi, can I get a... Uh, can I get a... Get in the McDonald's. Ooh, can I get a... Uh, can I get a... Uh, yeah, can uh, I get a... Uh, 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 go, Bubba, go! Uh, uh, pick me! No, pick me! Hey, can I get a... Uh, Ten-piece chicken McNuggets. And what sauce would you like with that? Uh... Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200 mile per hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. <laughs> what are you doing, Snuggle? out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. I'm Chad Hall, and I'm here with the first ever Silverado ZR2. This is probably the first time you've seen this truck, but I've been racing a prototype version for over a year. We just inspired this pre-production truck you see behind me. Let's go see what it'll do. Copy. It's got phenomenal power, acceleration, good ground clearance, skid protection, and you've got the Multimatic GSSV shocks, so it's just going to be that much more of a fun truck. You want to go a little faster? Go for it. Copy. It's an amazing truck. You're going to want to get your hands on one. Before I forget about this, as I said, I'm in Israel, have been here, now we're in Jerusalem, uh, and shows that are coming up, I'm going to get in and tell you a lot about what we've seen. It's incredible over here. Many of you, just like me, have heard about Israel. We're Christians. We've heard about it, everything to do with the birth of Jesus all the way to his crucifixion, everything that happened in between. Well, there's a whole lot more of 
I want I don't want to say more important things, but a whole lot of important things that you see in Israel that aren't necessarily directly attributed to anything about Jesus Christ. There's a lot of biblical history that happened a long time before Christ was even born. A lot of archaeology, uh, a lot of things that I never knew. And a few things that I was told in Sunday school that here on the ground you find out, well, somebody either fudged or just got it a little bit wrong. And so things like the Mosque of Omar, which sits atop the Temple Mount and all of the history that goes along with that and the projections of things that are going to happen in the future. I I won't get into the nitty-gritty, but I'm going to tell you, if you're a Christian, you need to put on your calendar, if you haven't already, a trip to Israel. We had the most amazing guide, a local guy that speaks fluent English, and he didn't just take us places He told us the truth. He has a photographic memory. Dates, names, those are the two things that are toughest for most of us. And he just put it out there and did an amazing, an amazing job. If you want, you want to get in touch with him, you and your crew will put you in touch with him. You can reach me, text or email, but send it to dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Not only will I give you his name, I'll give you the way to get in touch with him. So there's a lot of wrongdoing that's being unveiled about our current president and the administration and the members of Congress and the members of all the bureaucratic operations in D.C. And a lot of those were initiated by the uh, the Twitter files, the Fitter files. The Twitter files. And so this guy appeared before Congress and he just said it like it is. He excoriated FBI Director Christopher Wray. But I'm going to let you hear him tell the story. It'll make you really angry. Mr. Baker, you're recognized first. Again, thank you for being here. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Americans have lost faith in the Federal Bureau of Investigation, an institution they once regarded as the world's greatest law enforcement agency. I spent 33 years in the FBI and have continued to be closely engaged with the Bureau since my retirement. I am deeply troubled by this loss of faith, not only because of the challenge and danger it presents to our nation, but personally, it breaks my heart. Specific lapses will be looked into by this panel. But the big issue is, why did they happen? What changed? And what should be done? Culture is where it starts. This widespread deleterious behavior of the past several years describes a culture, not just the work of a few bad apples. Robert Mueller, when he was the FBI director, set out deliberately to change the culture of the FBI from a law enforcement agency to an intelligence-driven agency. That had bad and unintended consequences. And the difference is this. In law enforcement, 
You spend every day, consciously or unconsciously, waiting for that day to come when you're going to raise your right hand before a judge or before a jury and swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That's quite different than an intelligence agency that operates through deceit and deception, and their end product is an estimate. Some would call it a best guess. Guesses aren't allowed in the courtroom. Past reforms, like the church and pike committees, were necessary. This present subcommittee is a step in the right direction. Hopefully, its work will be bipartisan, because the abuses of an intelligence-driven FBI threaten the liberty of those on the left as well as those on the right. In 1978, the church, after the church committee revelations, reforms were undertaken. The FBI and the DOJ enacted a series of attorney general guidelines for conducting investigations. The Congress gave us the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Now, however, the use of FISA against US citizens, as seen in the Carter Page case, has presented a threat to American civil liberties. FISA suspends the Constitution. For its first decades, the Foreign Intelligence Act was used, as its name implies, to surveil foreign agents resident in this country. FISA needs to be returned to that original purpose. That is something that the Congress can fix. That the FBI collided with Twitter to suppress free speech is shocking. What is even more surprising is the FBI's explanation or denial that they did that. Over the past few years, when shenanigans were discovered in the Bureau, by the Bureau, the miscredence was shown the door. Director Ray and other FBI leaders, their theme is the bad apples are no longer with us. With the tw Twitter revelations, there is not even that usual half apology, but a bold-faced denial that nothing is wrong. The First Amendment guarantees free speech. The FBI, by urging Twitter to censor speech, which it could not itself do, was engaging in a perversion, a perversion of the First Amendment. For most of FBI history, agents were trained that part of the FBI's mission was to be a guarantor of the Bill of Rights. That has now been turned on its head. A renewed emphasis on the Constitution as a cornerstone of the Bureau's work is what is called for. When I was in training as a new agent, we were each given a pocket copy of the Constitution. We were told to keep it in our breast pocket, and that if we did that, when you, thought, you would think about it when interviewing a citizen or when searching someone's home. If you kept it close to your heart, you wouldn't go wrong. For years, when explaining the FBI to various groups, I would always emphasize that unlike other countries, the United States was blessed to have as its domestic security service a law enforcement agency, an agency rooted in the rule of law. The United States now may be cursed to have a domestic intelligence agency with police powers. We may never get the Bureau back to the culture of a tell-the-truth law enforcement agency that I lived and loved in the pre-9-11 era, but the effort of reform is worth it, noble, and direly needed. I thank you all for your efforts. Thank you, Mr. Baker. Appreciate your testimony. Professor Turley, recognized for five minutes. Those guys 
they're right in the middle of what's going on up there. And they're hacked off. This guy, he, he, he was a lifer in the FBI. You heard it from his own mouth. And James Comey and his predecessor at the top of the FBI, Robert Mueller, as he said, they changed everything. It stopped being the premier law enforcement agency of any country on the planet was our FBI. No longer that way. It's turned into a political arm of a pretty wicked government that's out there. No one can credibly deny that. I wanted to bring you something that uh, it keeps changing a little bit as time goes on, but the important things that are in it need to be, I guess, basically processed by every American. But it's truths when they come out and we're told. And those truths go 180 degrees against what we've been told by our leaders. It's really disheartening to know these things. But it's critical to know what happened through the COVID-19 pandemic and what we were told by our so-called experts, starting at the top with Dr. Anthony Fauci, and it trickled down. Now, a lot of people that were on stages, not just in the U.S., but around the world, and were talking about COVID, where it came from, what it should and how it should be treated, it varied, but I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about those that told myths, and using the word myth, is something of a quandary because they weren't myths. They were out-and-out lies. So I thought I would give you a little bit of that information today. Ten myths told by COVID experts that have now been debunked. First one, misinformation number one, vaccinated immunity is better than natural immunity. You remember that? We heard that for two and a half years, but a Lancet study looked at 65 major studies in 19 countries on natural immunity. The researchers concluded that natural immunity was at least as effective as the primary COVID vaccine series. In fact, the scientific data was there all along from 160 studies despite the findings of these studies violating Facebook's misinformation policy. Remember that one? It's still there. Every since, ever since the Athenian plague of 430 BC, it's been observed that those who recovered after infection were protected against severe disease if they ever became reinfected. That was also the observation of nearly every practicing physician during the first 18 months of the COVID-19 pandemic. So where were the government agents? Where were our agencies? Why weren't they talking to us about these things? Most Americans were fired for not having the COVID vaccine, already had the antibodies that effectively neutralized the virus, but they were antibodies that the government didn't recognize. I won't even go there. (laughs) Misinformation number two, mask prevent COVID transmission. Cochrane reviews, that's the top of the heat in medical reviews. Cochrane reviews, 
are considered the most authoritative and independent assessment of evidence in medicine. And one published last month by a highly respected Oxford's research team, they found out that masks had no significant impact on COVID transmission. When asked about this definitive review, CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky downplayed it. She argued that it was flawed because it focused on randomized control studies. But that was the greatest strength of the review. Randomized studies are considered the gold standard of the medical evidence. If all the energy used by the public health officials to make toddlers could have channeled to reduce child obesity by encouraging outdoor activities, we'd be a whole lot better off. Misinformation number three, school closures reduce COVID transmission. The CDC, when they put that lockdown out there, they were ignoring the European experience of keeping schools open and most without mask mandates. Transmission rates were no different, evidenced by studies conducted by Spain and Sweden. Misinformation number four, the vaccine has no side effects. Do you really want to go down that road? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you want to go down that road, but we've got a plethora of details that just overthrow that thinking. It's crazy. The facts are out there. And there's evidence on the table that our government and those in it, especially our bureaucratic medical folks, they ignore the facts and they jump right on top of the political purpose that they need and that they're willing to come out with. And that happened over and over again. No side effects. Public health officials downplayed concerns about vaccine-induced myocarditis. If you don't know, that's inflammation of the heart muscle. They talked about poorly designed studies that undercapture complicated rates. A flurry of well-designed studies said the opposite. We now know that myocarditis is 6 to 28 times more common after the COVID vaccine than after the the infection among 16 to 24 year old males. Tens of thousands of children likely got myocarditis, mostly subclinical, from a COVID vaccine they did not need. Why? Because they were the entirely healthy or because they already had COVID. Misinformation number five young people benefit from a vaccine booster. Now, this is going to scare a lot of people. Boosters reduced hospitalization in older, high-risk Americans. But the evidence was never there that the lower COVID mortality in young, healthy people. That's probably why the CDC chose not to publish their data on hospitalization rates among boosted Americans under 50 when they published the same rates for those over 50. Ultimately, White House pressure, and it came to recommend boosters for all. It was so intense that the FDA's two top vaccine experts left the agency in protest, writing scathing articles on how the data did not support boosters for young people. 
Misinformation number six. Vaccine mandates increased vaccine rates, vaccination rates. No, it did not. President Biden and other officials demanded unvaccinated workers, regardless of their risk or natural immunity, to be fired. They demanded that soldiers be dishonorably discharged, nurses be laid off in the middle of a staffing crisis. The mandate was based on the theory that vaccination reduced transmission rates, a notion later proven to be false. But after the broad recognition that vaccination does not reduce transmission, the mandates persisted, still do to this day. A recent study from George Mason University details how vaccine mandates in nine major U.S. cities had no impact on vaccination rates. They also had no impact on COVID transmission rates. Misinformation number seven. You getting tired? You want to take a break here? (laughs) I'm joking. I'm joking. Misinformation number seven. COVID originating from the Wuhan lab is a conspiracy theory. Google admitted to suppressing searches of lab leak during the pandemic. Dr. Francis Collins, head of the National Institutes of Health, claimed and still does today he didn't believe the virus came from a lab. Ultimately, overwhelming circumstantial evidence points to a jab leak origin. The same origin suggested to Dr. Anthony Fauci by two very prominent virologists in a January 2020 meeting that he assembled at the beginning of the pandemic. Two were very prominent virologists in a January 20th meeting that assembled to really get cranking and find out what was going on. So according to documents that were obtained by Brett Baer, They told doctors Fauci and Collins that the virus may have been manipulated and may have originated in the lab. But then suddenly, things changed. Their tune changed in public comments just days after meeting with the NIH officials. The virologists were later awarded nearly $9 million from Fauci's agency. Are you getting all of this? Stay with me. Just got three to go. Misinformation number eight. It was important to get both vaccine doses quickly. Data was clear in the spring of 2021, just months after the vaccine rollout, spacing the vaccine, but three months reduces complication and rates and increase immunity. Spacing out vaccinations would have also saved more lives when Americans were rationing a limited vaccine supply at the height of the pandemic. That's number eight. Let's go on to multi, um, number nine, misinformation mis- number nine. Data on the bivalent vaccine is crystal clear. Dr. Ashish Jha famously said this, despite the bivalent vaccine being approved of using data from eight mice, eight mice. They followed eight mice and came up with accurate, perfect, 
scientific evidence to create a vaccine. Dr. Ja famously said this, data on the bivalent vaccine is crystal clear. He said that. To date, there have never been a randomized controlled trial of the bivalent vaccine. And just so you know, in my opinion, the data are crystal clear that young people should not get the bivalent vaccine. And finally, misinformation number 10, one in five get long COVID. You probably have heard everybody or many people that have gotten a bad case of COVID, especially those of maybe over 50, that it's impacting them in major ways. And then they get well. You know, they get okay. But then that, at least the symptoms of having the virus stay with you. They stay with you and you can't figure out why or what to do about it. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention claim that 20% of COVID infections can result in long COVID. But a UK study found that only 3% of COVID patients had residual symptoms lasting 12 weeks. What explains this disparity? Well, it's not normal to experience mild fatigue or weakness for weeks after being sick and inactive and not eating well. Calling these cases long COVID is the medicalization of ordinary life. What's most amazing about all the misinformation conveyed by CDC and public health officials is that there's been no apologies for holding on to their recommendation for so long after the data became apparent that they were dead wrong. Public health officials said you must when the correct answer should have been, we're not sure. Early on, in the absence of good data, public health officials, they chose a path of stern paternalism. Today, they are in denial of a mountain of strong studies showing that they were wrong. At minimum, CDC should come clean and the FDA should add a warning label to COVID vaccines clearly stating what is now known. I may a culpa, culpa by those who led us astray would be nice to us too. Think about those 10 things, folks. Are you like me getting tired of dealing with this kind of crap all the time from people that we pay a lot of money to? <laughs> it's interesting. I, uh, in the company that we had for 32 years, anytime I got involved, which didn't happen very often with people either resigning or people getting fired, that all of a sudden was when they came in and said, hey, Dan, Sit down and let's talk to me for a minute. What they were going to do, if I let them, they were going to go to the aid of the person that was being fired. And I get that. Friendship, being kind and all that. I get that. But facts are facts. 
And no matter how you rub them around on the floor or on the countertop in flour, at the end of the day, they're first of all, all going to look like. Secondly, be good as you can imagine. There's a lot of stuff there. Somebody's going to throw it out. Why don't, why don't, why don't you uh, take care of that right now? Let's move on. You know who Matt Gates is? Matt Gates is a firebrand member of that U.S. House of Representatives. And in these hearings that they're having now, the various committees that were put together in this brand new GOP majority in the House, and they're really getting to the bone, asking the right questions. They're not throwing softballs, as have been happening for the last, oh, I guess, exclusive of the Trump campaign, last eight years. And these people that work in the government, like you're about to hear Matt Gates grill General Mark Milley, who's the uh, chief and secretary of defense. It's an amazing back and forth. Get set for it. I think many of you will be glad to hear Matt Gates really dig in and get to the heart of the matter. February 26, 2020, House Armed Services Committee, General Mark Milley. We know we're not going to defeat the Taliban militarily, and they're not going to defeat the government of Afghanistan militarily. You really blew that call, didn't you, General? I believe that that was a issue of strategic stalemate and that if we had remained in Afghanistan uh, with the advisory levels of effort than the government of Afghanistan. Well, that's, the, that's an interesting Afghan answer to a Security question. Force. It's just not one I asked. You spent more time with Bob Woodward on this book than you spent analyzing the very likely prospect that the Afghanistan government was going to fall immediately to the Taliban, didn't you? Not even close, Congressman. Oh, yep. really? Because you said right after Kabul fell that no one could have anticipated the immediate fall of the Ghani government. When did you become aware that Joe Biden tried to get Ghani to lie about the conditions in Afghanistan? You did that in July. Did you know that right away? I'm not aware of what President Biden... You're not aware of the phone call that Biden had with Ghani where he said, whether it is true or not... We want you to go out there and paint a rosy picture of what's going on in Afghanistan. You're the chief military advisor to the president. You said that the Taliban was not going to defeat the government of Afghanistan militarily, which, by the way, they cut through him like a hot knife through butter. And then the president tries to get Ghani to lie. When did you become aware of that attempt? Well, there's two things there, Congressman, if, if I may. One is what I said was the situation was stalemate. And if we kept advisors with there, the government of Afghanistan and the army would have still been there. That's what I said. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. But it seems wrong now. With well, the Taliban we withdrew all the, we withdrew Secretary all the advice. Austin. Secretary Austin, are you capable of assessing whether another has the will to fight? No, we're not. And uh, that's the point that the chairman made earlier. So. That's just like an incredibly disappointing thing for the Secretary of Defense to simply say, I can't assess whether someone has the will to fight, but it is consistent with your record. I mean, during the Obama administration, I think they gave you about $48 million to go train up some folks in Syria to go take on the Assad government, and I think your testimony was that only four or five survived first contact with the enemy. So what confidence should this committee have in you or should the country have in you when you've now confessed to us and whether it's the swing and a miss in Afghanistan that General Milley talked to the Senate about yesterday, total failure, 
or whether it was your failures in Syria, you don't seem capable to look at a fighting force and determine whether or not they have the will. Well, Is that an embarrassing? You recall, Congressman, that uh, the end result was a, a, uh, uh, the SDF that we stood up that was very, very instrumental in turning the, the, the tide of, uh, of, of battle up in Syria. Oh, yeah. Turned it so much, you've got Assad in power in Syria, you've got the Taliban in power in Afghanistan. I mean, where have you been? The focus was, the focus was ISIS, Congressman, and, we, and, and those forces uh, had significant uh, effect on, on the well, ISIS it, network. It just seems like you're chronically bad at this, and you have admitted that, I guess, which is to your credit, but, you know, when... When people in the military, like Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, stand up and demand accountability, when they say that you all screwed up, when they point out that General Milley's statement that the, Tal- you know, that, that the government of Afghanistan is not going to get defeated by the Taliban, well, he ends up in the brig. And you all end up in front of us, and your former employer Raytheon ends up with a lot of money, and we have poured cash and blood and credibility into a Ghani government that was a mirage. It fell immediately. And while the guy sitting next to you was off, you know, talking to Phil Rucker and was off doing his thing with Bob Woodward, we were buying into the big lie. The big lie that this, that this was ever going to be successful and that we could ever rely on the Afghanistan government for anything at all. You know, General Mill, you kind of gave up the game earlier when you said you wanted to address elements of your personal conduct that were in question. We're not questioning your personal conduct. We're questioning in your official capacity going and undermining the chain of command, which is obviously what you did. You, you've created this whole chain of command. Did not undermine the chain narrative. of command. Yeah, you did. You absolutely Congress. did. And it, did not. Well, you know what? You said yesterday that you weren't going to resign when senators asked you this question. And I believe that you guys probably won't resign. You seem to be very happy failing up over there. But if we didn't have a president that was so addled, you all would be fired. Because that is what you deserve. You have let down the people who wear the uniform in my district and all around this country. And you're far more interested in what you're perception is and how people think about you in insider Washington books than you care about winning, Gentleman's which this time group has is incapable expired. of doing. Let me say this. You may disagree with the tactics used by the congressman there, Congressman Matt Gates of Florida, talking to General Mark Milley. You may feel that way. It makes me kind of uncomfortable, but I mean, you're talking to the joint chief, the chairman of the Joint Chief, and Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, you heard him weigh in there. You're talking about these guys. They're in very prestigious positions, very, very important positions. But what was that word we started the show with today that I was talking about? Accountability. Accountability. Nobody can credibly maintain that the withdrawal out of Afghanistan was handled properly at all. There today, more than a year later, there are people, American citizens, that are still hiding for their lives behind enemy lines in Afghanistan. Why are they still there? Our president made a promise to them. They were not going to be let down by our military. We were going to get them out before our military pulled out. They did not. 
the Biden administration left hundreds of American citizens behind enemy lines. That's just one thing. And then what does our Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, do? He came out with a big mandate yesterday. This one just frosted me. You know, in the in the midst of all of the chaos and the degeneration of our military armed forces that are so obvious to everybody in the United States and especially to our enemies, our foreign enemies, how weak we are. When you look at that, you would think, can't we hold the Secretary of Defense? Can't we hold him accountable for the decisions that he made? Can't we hold the president accountable for the decisions he made? Lloyd Austin, you really can't. The only person that can hold him accountable in most circumstances is the president of the United States. And of course, who appointed him and basically hired him to be the secretary of defense, the president, Joe Biden. Do you think Joe Biden's going to pull the rug out from under this guy, both of them, Secretary of Defense and General Mark Milley, there's no way it's going to happen. And they know that. But in the meantime, what happens to the offices that they serve in and the people that they serve for? What happens to them? They're caught right in the middle. And those are the people that understand how bad it is in our branches of our military. Not one single branch is immune to this. It's happening across the board. And you know who else is looking in and knows what's going on? Do you know who it is? Russia. China. North Korea. Those are the people that are looking in, and they are just waiting for us to show publicly how feckless we are at keeping our promises and doing the right things, even when they're uncomfortable, and that we're corrupt. The United States of America's government is corrupt. I'm sitting in Israel right now doing this show. There are many people here that can't believe the American people put Joe Biden in office. And I know you can't say anything about the election process or this or that. You can't because then you're called a truther and you're not woke. You're labeled. You're a dweeb. You're unworthy of anything positive to happen in your life. Just because you disagree with the mainstream media, the person who's at the top of the heap at that particular time. This is almost like getting mad when you were kids on the playground when somebody came up and stole your Tootsie Pop. And there were two or three little kids that were involved in the theft. And so you throw them all in a bucket. (laughs) I'm just speaking out of my head. You know where I'm going with this. You hold people accountable. Did you ever get in a fight on the schoolyard? Somebody stole something from you? 
I think everybody handled something like that, similar to like that. And girls are not immune from that. Look back at how you and your parents handled accountability. And here we are. These are the people, the two people that are supposed to hold everybody in the military accountable. And yet what they're doing is they're dumbing down our members of the military while they're creating a persona to everybody around the world that's watching. They're looking in and shaking their heads. Why is the United States of America... Why are they giving up, not doing what we hired them to do and making excuses for it while they're making those that serve under them less capable and less ready than they've ever been in the last few decades? That's what's happening right now. And they don't want to talk about it. You can't ask them any questions. Oh, we can't talk about that because that's part of an ongoing investigation and because of that we just cannot get into that with you boy I'd love to do it I can't believe we're even talking about needing to discuss with an elected official about accountability wow 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 hey just a note there will be no TNN live broadcast on Friday going to be in the air flying back from Italy. From Italy? No, I'm sorry. From Israel. (laughs) So, we'll be back on Monday. Talk to Dan. Call 1-866-37-TRUTH. TNN Live. The Truth News Network. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running, and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342. 529-8342. Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo! But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing? None of this makes sense. telling you just before we went to break no show on Friday this doesn't happen very often the only time I can think it's happened recently has been during this trip and we tried our best to plan around it and uh, we're doing shows live one show got away from us and it was yesterday and I apologize for that in fact I, I gotta be honest with you it's embarrassing to me that it happened TNN Live is is a, um, a news outlet that we've got it all together, conservative news talk. 
and we don't just throw stuff out there. Every show is planned, time to be exact. And when it's not that way, I know it may be frustrating to you, but please believe me, as frustrating as it is to you, it's far more frustrating to me. What I want to talk to you about before the end of the show, this one kind of, I don't know, it just made me feel funny. President Biden this week was talking about his nurse. I don't know what setting that was in, but he said his nurse would do things she likely did not learn in nursing school. Does that sound a little bit sinister to you? The president made these remarks during a speech on affordable health care in Virginia Beach, and he described a nurse he once met named Pearl Nelson when he suffered from clogged arteries. He said, I had a nurse named Pearl Nelson. She'd come in and do things I don't think you learn in nursing school, he said. She'd whisper in my ear. I couldn't understand her, but she'd whisper and she'd lean down and actually breathe on me to make sure there was a human connection. He praised her and other nurses for their hospitality toward him and his late son, Beau, who fought in Iraq and later died from brain cancer. He called the nursing profession the most underestimated in the world. He expressed the importance of accessing health care and for families to have families to have breathing room by bringing down medical costs and investing in Medicaid. He recalled the strain on his own family when his father lost his health insurance when Biden was a senior in high school. The president then criticized, of course, MAGA Republicans. You evil MAGA Republicans. You're not worthy of even sharing oxygen with the enlightened ones. He accused the MAGA Republicans of attempting to eliminate health care coverage. He came under scrutiny among congressional Republicans for claiming at the State of the Union address that they want to cut Social Security and Medicare, which the party has adamantly denied. I just can't get by this creepy thing talking about his nurse. She would do things she likely did not learn in nursing school. Ugh. I don't think I'd want that nurse. And of course, if you're in a bad way, which I think he was, I think he had been in a coma. I know he had some major surgery, had several brain surgeries, as a matter of fact. Could have been when that happened. This next story is pretty sad. A teacher in New York forced a little girl, age nine, to use male pronouns at school. And that caused this little girl suicidal thoughts that she shared with some other people, her friends. This fifth grader, this happened in Long Island. And she had to go by male name and pronouns, confusing her so much that she had suicidal thoughts. This is in a lawsuit. Deborah Rosenquist, a fifth-grade teacher at Terryville Road Elementary School in Port Jefferson Station, 
started calling the nine-year-old Leo and using opposite gender pronouns toward the beginning of the 2021-2022 school year. The parents say they were only clued in about what was happening in January of 2022 when the school principal called, telling them that their child referred to in court paper as A.V. had drawn a picture of a girl writing, I want to kill myself. And I feel sad a lot, the filings claim. The principal also informed the parents that A.V. had even met with school psychologists telling the mental health worker that she was confused about her gender identity, the court papers say. Despite Rosenquist, 62, having referred to the student for months at that point as Leo, it was only during the January 27, 2022 call that the parents were asked for the first time if this name was okay. This stuff just blows my mind. The parents were supportive as long as it was A.V. who had requested the name change. But they had doubts she had asked to be called Leo to identify as a boy. In the past, she'd been called that by a friend, but in reference to her astrological sign. A.V.'s parents also became concerned when they saw complaints against Rosenquist on Facebook, claiming the teacher had been reported for abuse, but that the school district had done nothing about it because she was tenured, the suit says. So during a deeper dig into the social media comments, the parents found that Rosenquist didn't follow the school curriculum and taught her students about transgender people and told kids to try being gay or try going by the opposite gender. The educator even made her own LGBT plus book called I Am Neither for her nine and 10 year old students. And then assigned a book to read called When Aiden Became a Brother. Well, mom and dad weren't concerned by the topic. They were worried that it was being taught at too young an age and were also worried that Rosenquist had significantly deviated from the district's curriculum. One of the parents met with the principal, superintendent, and the assistant superintendent February 3rd that year, where the administrators admitted the issue was not handled properly and said they had known about the off-curriculum materials that Rosenquist had been using. While they say they had investigated, it was clear the investigation was superficial at best. Listen, folks, none of this stuff really matters. None of it really matters, except this little girl committed suicide. That's the only thing that matters. Wow. A sad way to end the show, but end it we're doing right now. Thank you so much for being here. And again, I apologize for missing the show yesterday. I'll tell you it had happened, but it would sound like an excuse. I was on a bus with 50 other people that had been touring, and we ended up in a far part away from Jerusalem, which is our headquarters. And traffic here, if you think it's bad where you live, traffic in Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, in every part of town, you're bumper to bumper. And it's frustrating as could be. I can't imagine being a, dress, a bus driver in that. 
And this city is flooded with buses for tours. But nevertheless, it took a whole lot longer. We were actually 40 minutes late getting back to the to the hotel where our studios are for these broadcasts. But I thank you for understanding and thank you for missing Friday. This isn't going to happen anymore, and it doesn't happen very often, but occasionally it does. You guys have a great day. And oh, by the way, why don't you share? It's happening more and more. Share how you feel about TNN Live with your friends. And by the way, if you want to tell me how you feel, do it at dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Saturday bullet points will be up and we'll be back in the saddle in northwest Louisiana where our broadcast studios are. And we will see you then. You guys have a fabulous week and then a fabulous weekend. So long. Strumming my pain with his fingers. Singing my life with his words. Killing me softly with his song. Killing me softly with his song. Telling my whole life with his words. Killing me softly. With his song